For the SBS studios in Artaman, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land I'm recording from. I pay my respects to the Camaragal people of the Gurungai Nation and their elders past and present. I also acknowledge the traditional owners from all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander lands you are listening from. Hi, I'm Suraj Kolaka. I moved to Australia at the age of 11 and since then had a fascination with immigrant stories. On this podcast, I'm delighted to bring you these stories firsthand as I speak to immigrants about their journey in settling in Australia. Everything from hope, fear, alienation, and ultimately triumph. My guest today is Mako Kine from Ghana. Mako accompanied half a dozen African dental students as they immigrated to regional Australia. He's had experiences good and bad, but has always come out of them with positivity and cheer. So what I'd like to do is start with childhood. So take me to Max's uh, childhood. I grew up on a cocoa farm. Right. Uh, my father was a cocoa farmer. Right. But because the cocoa farm doesn't have any educational facilities, and uh, when I was about five, I have to start boarding school, mm. which means I'm going to... I was going to live in in a boarding school with relatives, yeah. actually. Yeah. What I mean, it's a different system here. Yeah. But, um, yeah, your parents actually look after your relatives, look after you. Right, right. And things like that. And, um, yeah, I went there. I went from there to a middle school. Yeah. Which my, by then my parents decided they've had enough. There was a lot of disease with the cocoa. Right, right. So they have to move uh, from the uh, cocoa farm. And how old were you then, roughly? Yeah, about uh, nine. Nine years old. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. They started a tomato farm. Right. In a different district completely. I lived with them until I was ready to go to middle school. Yeah. Through my middle school. And then my secondary school, I had a scholarship with a cocoa marketing board. Ah, nice. And I moved to a boarding school. Right. And from there, I went to university. What was boarding school like? Oh, it's a typical English style of things, punishments and all <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very strict? Yeah, yeah very strict. Very strict. Yeah, to yeah. Obey. Of course, we had some tricks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> which we play. Yeah. When we are supposed to be going to bed, yeah. you know, we normally uh, stay alive and sneak to go to the movies. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a very tricky type of experience. Yeah, you couldn't afford to get caught. <laughs> You would get punished. No, no, badly. no. Yeah, you, you, you get even suspended. Okay. All this, and you can't get caught. <laughs> and uh, we're not allowed to cook in our um, rooms. Oh, you know, right. In the um, boarding school, we're not allowed. But the food wasn't enough. So what we used to do is we cook in our room. Yeah. And uh, we'd be eating. And then the housemaster... Yeah. We come around checking, and you have your food in your mouth. And 
trying not to chew. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, you're pretending to be asleep. <laughs> pretending to be asleep halfway through the meal. <laughs> In a boarding school, we used to sneak to go to the movies. Yeah. But we make our bed. Our pillows look like somebody lying in it. <laughs> You'd put the pillows over the blanket, <laughs> like in the movies. It just it look as if there's somebody in the bed, you know. So that when the housemaster comes, yeah. By then in Ghana, education, uh, university education is free. Actually, all along from primary school to university in Ghana. Education was free. Oh, wonderful. What did you study at university? When I went to university there, chemical technology. Chemical technology. Awesome. But um, it was in my second year mm. in chemical technology that I saw an advertisement for dentistry. Right. By the offered by the Ghana government. Okay. And I took the offer. I didn't know anything about dentistry. <laughs> <laughs> so you saw an ad for dentistry and you went, that, that sounds good. Scholarship, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I decided to, because I didn't like chemical technology. Yeah. All that you have is just um, machines working around you, you know, with all the noises and everything. Yeah. And I thought I didn't like it. So I switched to um, chemical tech, uh, to, dentistry. to dentistry. Right, right. I apply for a, a scholarship and I have it. Where will I go? I have the choice to go to Britain right. or Australia. Okay. But I decided to, the British system starts in October and the Ghana system starts, the Australian system Starts in January. Right. And I want to leave the country as quickly as I can. <laughs> oh, <laughs> because of the political climate? Yeah, climate. So right. I decided to offer to come to Australia. Right, right. And that's what happened. And so uh, the the timing of the schedule, so the, the how quickly you can get out was the main factor yeah, in deciding Australia? Yeah, the main factor. Right. And how old were you then? Uh, I was about 19. 19 when you came to Australia. Yeah. And uh, so you'd, uh, you were studying, uh, for studying dentistry, is that right? Yes. Or, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and what was that like? What idea of Australia did you have before coming to Australia? Yeah, I, I had a little bit, uh, just a tiny bit. Yeah. It was a week before I left Ghana. Yeah. It was a week before I left Ghana. Yeah. That a friend of mine, Cyril Brown, told me that, do you know that Australia is a convict country? (laughs) (laughs) Before that, you had no idea. No, I had got no idea. They never taught us in schools. Right. Or anything. (laughs) How did that make you feel? Oh, I mean, just like maybe take the experience. Okay. You were excited about the, the experience. Yeah, I just wanted to. And also, um, Australia is so far away that, I mean, I can just be left alone. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have to worry about going back to Ghana for holidays and things like that, you know, it just, because it's so far away. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I decided to come to Australia. Okay, so 
um at the time you knew very little about australia you didn't I know knew just a time apart from what the guy told my friend told me yeah i didn't know have the slightest idea about what the country is all about wow so then take me to your first day in australia you land you land in australia um I landed in Australia on a, I think the 9th of February 1971. Right. In which city? Brisbane. Brisbane, yeah. Seven other Ghanaians. Right. On the same scholarship. Okay. All dentistry scholarships. Yeah, all, all dentistry scholarships. We were made by officials at the airport taking to lunch at the Irish club right by then the Irish club was in the middle of the city right and we have our lunch there it was very pleasant so that was a very good start to the experience of australia very good first day mm-hmm. and uh, then um what was it like uh, seeing the the people and and the the buildings and everything the whole place being different um the everything is not much different but um in the afternoon we went to a we went to Townsville as a group you know mm. and one thing the impression we had then this one of the um my team you know yeah. he said I've never seen an overseas like this before. <laughs> it, it was more like a village. <laughs> <laughs> you thought Tanzu felt like a yeah. village? <laughs> so, because they have a mind of uh, Rome or London or something like that. Right, you know? right. But seeing Townsville was just... <laughs> but he said, oh, look, I've never seen an overseas like this before. <laughs> oh, yeah, because the videos we see of overseas in movies, yeah. it's all London and, yeah, and Hollywood. Yeah, and, and everything. But so, Australia was... The, um, Townsville. Yeah, the Townsville houses were just like cottages <laughs> and things like that, you know. They were so much... We were so much surprised... <laughs> But anyway, um I went to then we went to James Cook University. Right. And then um we were there for one year. What was uh, studying in Australia like compared to studying in Ghana? Um it's okay, but except it was a little bit more concentrated. Right. than in Ghana. But that is the only different more focus you mean yeah i have more focus on um and then of course the teaching techniques were better right less here. strict oh yeah far less strict yeah and everything and um then um in 1971 yeah. end of 71 i think in December 1971 we had this terrible cyclone it's right. called cyclone althea right and uh, we were living uh, the group of us were living in a house and we can see the uh, roof 
flying. <laughs> oh, wow. This disappearing on our head. Wow. It was very scary. You could suddenly see the sky from inside the yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a, a big mango tree fell on the kitchen, smashed it. We were all huddled in the um, hallway of the house. Right. And then um, even one of the, when the eye of the, when the eye of the, Cyclone was coming through. One of the guys, you know, he saw the um, window bending, mm. and he put his hand to stop the window from cracking. He just smashed on his hand oh, and wow. had a very nasty um, cut on his hand and everything. And he was surrounded by dentists, so he couldn't help <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, but that was uh, December 1971, right. um, Cyclone Athia. Right. But then when I was there... <clears throat> um, no I cyclones had, in Ghana? No, we don't have cyclones. No, we don't have cyclones. We don't have... Um, um, even tornadoes and things like that. Right. But well, we have... Thunderstorms. Right. Was it yeah. was it scary then that in Australia this kind of natural yeah, yeah, phenomenon? Yeah, actually it was very, very, very scary. Right. We've never had it before. I've never had it before in my life before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it was it uh, difficult to make friends and meet people when you first came? Because you said the eight of you came together. So mm-hmm. the eight of you must have become good friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Um, Seven, actually, not seven, not oh, eight. Yeah, seven, yeah. Eight, seven. Yeah. So the seven of you must have uh, become good friends all together in the same program. But was it difficult to meet people and make friends with uh, people in Australia? Yes. It wasn't difficult at all. It wasn't difficult? No, 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 no. no. We just, we all made f- different friends. People were friendly? Australian people? We were living in college. Right. Most of the students... At the hall, university hall. Yeah. Were from the country towns, the country areas. Yeah. You know, they are not locals. Right. So it's very difficult to actually have much communication with the people in the city of Townsville. Yeah. And so the friends we made were those borders who have come to the university to study. Right. Maybe other immigrants and people that have come from different parts of Australia. (laughs) Right, right. In Townsville, uh, it must have been mostly white people, right, at the time? No. No? There's a fair bit of Aboriginal population. Right. But they were actually being discriminated against strongly. Yeah. Yourself, did you face any discrimination in that first year that you were in Australia? Uh, I personally didn't, but four of my friends, yeah. I think New Year's Day, these Ghanaian guys went to the function. When they were coming back, they were arrested for uh, drunkenness and they were taken to police station for detention. Those guys never actually touched any alcohol. So how can they be accused of drunkenness? It's pure racism. Yeah. Mm. And even I think um, it went. Even it went to the extent of the federal government getting in intervention into the issue. Right. That was in 
two. Right. Was that scary for you as well? Oh, I mean, it was a worry. Mm. But by then I was in Ingham. Mm. I was away from the group. Right. But I knew that those guys never touched alcohol. Yeah. And so how they can be arrested in the middle of the, um, something like they can be arrested for drunkenness. Yeah. Were you worried that you might be, you know, arrested like that out of nowhere for no reason as well? Mm, Not exactly. But um, because it became a national issue. I think the Australian federal government apologized for those children. Right. Right. For those students, okay, who were falsely um, accused. put in yeah. accused, yeah, I've forgotten the name of the um, senator who mm. brought up about the issue to federal parliament. Right, right. I can't remember Mil- Milman or something. I've forgotten his That's name okay. now. Yeah, but uh, I guess it's it's good that it became a bigger story as well. Yeah, it did. It did because uh, oftentimes this kind of stuff can happen and then just get swept under the rug. No. Yeah. And then there's another incident, mm. or oh, which was about two years later. Yeah. Two Ghanaian guys, but they went to Indrapili. Hotel, they were refused drinks because the hotel said they were not serving blacks in that hotel. Wow. That is in the Indopoli here. Yeah, just here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. And uh, it became a big issue too. Yeah. The excuse they were saying is that those guys were drunk, but they were not. And uh, it went into the newspapers here too. And Joe Biaka Peterson. If you heard his name before, he came in and said he believes what the hotel was say, saying, oh, that wow. those guys were uh, drunk and misbehaving, which was completely false. Mm. So those are the type of difficulties, difficulties yeah. that existed then. Yeah. So it must have been quite uh, stressful, I guess, for you just trying to, Think about it from from your uh, your shoes to be in that situation where mm-hmm. this is early 1970s Australia, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you would see this kind of discrimination happening around you. Uh, what was your uh, thought process? You said just focus on work and and focus on the friends you have around you. Um, yeah, actually, I, I would say so because I can. Say the reason why I keep on appreciating the Australian society was because there are a lot of good people. Mm. There are a lot of good people. And um, I, when, when I finished with my training, I went back to Ghana. But by then, I've made a lot of good friends here. Right. And when I went to Ghana, I felt like isolated because I've cemented myself in Australia. You had made a, a home base in yeah, Australia? Yeah, yeah. How old were you when you went back to Ghana? Uh, I was about 29. 29. 20, yeah, yeah, about, about that time. And when you went there, it, it was very isolating? 
I mean, most of my friends have traveled and things like that. But yeah. um, but when I was here, I met a family friend. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, I met some friends here in Brisbane. Mm. And um, they were very good. I established personal relationship with them very, very strongly. Yeah. And right now to the to this day as I'm talking to you. And uh, there were some of the inspirations why I decided to come back to Australia. Ah, awesome. Yeah, because I was going to say, so how long did you spend in Ghana when you went back? Oh, about a, was eight months or so. Right. And then... Mm-hmm. Um, you at that stage when you went back there wasn't necessarily a definite plan of coming back to australia is that right no i didn't have but then i can remember the experiences i had the good times i had yeah with those families sent into that yeah and so that inspired me to come back and of course when i was there and i didn't like the conditions in ghana I just rang the director of dental services who is yeah. who have known me because I worked here for a year before I left. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I rang him from Ghana and asked him whether he's got a job for me here. And he said, "Yes, you I've got three places for you to come to if you want to." Right. Wonderful. And uh, that must have been exciting to know that you can come back. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I know. Excellent. And so what was it like uh, then coming back to Australia a second time? Oh, second time it was um, less, <clears throat> it was less exciting, but because then I was a professional yeah. And so I couldn't engage in this tricky <laughs> behavior. <laughs> As a student. <laughs> you had you had fun during the, the student, student days. days. <laughs> yes, yes. But now you had to, you know, you have button to, up shirt. Yeah, professional. You have, yeah, you have to be a professional. But during the student uh, student days, my friend used to say, Oh Mark, there's a party down the road. And I said, where? And he said, oh, let's go. I know I know the number. Let's drive on this road and I'll show you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, of course, we don't have much money on this. Right. But um, then we, we're driving around and then he will say, when he sees a party, he says, oh, oh, I think that is a place. <laughs> Just any random party. <laughs> then he will go in and ask him, will you, uh, can we come to the party? And sometimes they will say no. <laughs> but sometimes they will say yes. Okay, can, can come in. Yeah. And then some of the tricks we used to do, this, this is funny, but we used to, because we didn't have much money on this, yeah. we used to feel beer bottles with water. Right. And then go in and put it in the fridge and then take some. (laughs) 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 The only time when I've had 
distasteful uh, experience mm. in Australia was funny enough. It's just about, I think, four years or so ago. Right. And um, <clears throat> I went to Indrapilly shopping town. I mean, which I normally do every Saturday morning. Yeah. I was going to pick Matthew, but that's my son. Yeah. And um, I was going to pick him from the railway station. But I decided to stop at a shopping town. And then these three cops all of a sudden surrounded me and I asked, what is happening here? And they said, somebody said, they've seen a, uh, a woman being bashed at the um, car park. And it seems it looks like you. Wow. And I was so much shaking. That, I mean, <clears throat> just imagine you just go into the shopping center. Yeah. And then being surrounded by police. And I asked him, look, what is happening? They said, somebody, the person looks like you. And I said, look, is this profiling? Which is exactly what it was, yeah. profiling. Yeah. Somebody look like you. Mm. Therefore, we have to interview you and stop you and give all your, get all your details and everything. And... Um, I took it very, very offensive yeah. that I've lived in this country yeah. for so many years. And yet still, somebody will be profiling me. Yeah. So, of course, I have to take action, I mean, and reported it to the force. Yeah. But, of course, I mean, I've had some good experiences with police as well. Of you course, know, yeah. Like... Um, I can remember when, oh, in 1978, I was driving. By then, I was working in Gimpy as a dentist. Mm. And um, I was driving at in the valley, Fortitude Valley, you know. And um, this police stopped me and um, of course I have to stop yeah. and then came to my side and said who, who what is your identity what have you got and everything mm. and I said I'm a dentist working at uh, Gimpy Hospital. Mm. He said, what proof have you got? And luckily enough, I had an, an envelope addressed to me and I showed to you, that is the only thing I've got right now, apart from my license. Yeah. And he said, oh, you are a doctor at Gimpy? And I said, yes. And he said, okay, the reason why I stopped you is because you haven't got your headlights on right, and um, so just be careful when you are driving in the city, yeah. coming from the country. <laughs> 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 no, so he was 
I mean, he he just said, oh, look, the reason why I stop you because you haven't got your headlights on. Yeah. So just turn on your headlights. Yeah. And uh, make sure that you have your lights on when you are in the city. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, some police are not just all vindictive, but yeah. some are very... Nice and on the key as well. Absolutely, yeah. I've I've found that as well. You know, mm-hmm. uh, in fact, I was driving back from somewhere and my lights were they had broken while mm-hmm. while driving. The the bulbs had stopped working, mm-hmm. and uh, it was nighttime, so it's dangerous, right? A cop uh, says, "Hang on, just make sure you get those bulbs fixed." You know, I said, "Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I will." I said, "Okay, go on." Is mm-hmm. friendly, nice, yeah. So yeah. it's it's uh, it's a few uh, that are that are more discriminatory that give the, the bad name. Yeah. Better mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yeah, I've been stopped once too like that where um, a cop stopped me. It was three in the morning, and I was going coming from the party. And um, he started flashing his life, what stopped me, and I stopped. And um, he asked me for my identity and all those sort of things. And then he said, the reason why I stopped you, do you know that your taillights are not working? Right. And this guy was, this police officer was so kind. Mm. He went on at the back of the car. He p- took his um, shirt off, went under the car, and um, trying to see whether he can fix my taillight for me. Wow. And then when he couldn't, he said, look, make sure that you go to the garage tomorrow morning for to have this light fixed. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's been a lot of... Yeah. Experiences, both ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to ask you, um, how uh, was it different? Your say, um, watching your son grow up in Australia compared to your childhood back in Ghana. Uh, how did it? How did it feel uh, different? And and were you excited to raise him here? Oh, I mean, but he was um, grow. Um, he grew up in um, affluent. Society. Yeah. He was, he grew up in this house. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> as his sister keep on saying, if we are not rich, then who is rich? Right. <laughs> so now the life I went through is, I've got nothing, no comparison whatsoever. Yeah. You can't. You yeah. can't compare it. It was a lot more difficult back home. In what Ghana? I mean is, my parents were very, very poor. Right. Even though they were cocoa farmers, yeah. cocoa prices were not good. Right. We didn't have things like um, cars and yeah. all those sort of things. So it's it's a different environment completely. Yeah. He wouldn't have the slightest idea about the experiences I have as a child. Yeah. I used to go and help the fishermen on the beach. And that is how I used to wake up about two in the morning. Yeah. That's when the fishermen come 
back, they go fishing at night and yeah. then they come in the morning. Right. So they arrive about 2 a.m. Right. So I have to wake up 2 a.m. to meet the fishermen, help them get their fish off the um, nets. Yeah. After you've done that, then they give you so much fish. Yeah. And then you sell it. As a child, before going to school, I'm talking about. Wow. And then you sell it, and uh, that is what you live on. We used to, I mean, you, you used to live on that amount of fish they give you. You sell it, and then the money you get, you used to buy some essentials like uh, trousers, shirts, and things like that. Right. Uh, but you have to do it almost Every day, you know. Wow, just Bef to make ends meet. Yeah, before going to school. Wow. So you come back, you work from 2 a.m. till about maybe 5 or 6 or 7. Wow. And then you have your shower and then you go to school. When do you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> so the time you sleep is between about 8 and 2. Wow. Mm -hmm. Such a busy, hectic Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that is as a child too. Yeah. So it's it's not a it's not an easy life. You must have been uh, then happy to be able to give him that nicer lifestyle growing up yeah, here. I mean, <clears throat> coming coming to Australia. Yeah, maybe I can say so. Yeah. But maybe if he were to be born in Ghana too, yeah. with my status, yes. He will have a better life right. than what I did as a child. Right, right. Nice. Um, do you? How do you think uh, you you would you have uh, uh, been? Would it have been easier, more difficult to to raise a, a child in Ghana than here? Um, it depends. I mean, of course. I mean, you come from India, don't yeah, you? That's yeah. Right. yeah. You know, you have more like, there's more like a class society. Right, yeah. So those who, those who were born mm. into a higher society end up mm. having better life than who were born in poorer uh, class. When did uh, Australia start to feel like home? How many years in did you start to feel like Australia was was also home. Oh, because I I just developed more interests yeah. in hobbies and things like that. Mm. And of course meeting people and friends and things like that. Yeah. And that is what becoming part of the fabric of yeah, the, yeah. Of the community. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um very good. Uh, it it's been it's been lovely talking to you and, and hearing your, your stories. Mm -hmm. And uh, thank you so much uh, for coming on, on the show. Okay, thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks for meeting you. Too. Oh, yeah. It was nice to meet you. It's been lovely to meet you and talk to you and, and get your stories. It's okay, awesome. good. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for another episode. My First Year on Aussie Soil is an SBS original podcast. It's created and produced by me, Suraj Kolaka, and Danny Giles. You can find more info at sbs.com.au slash myfirstyear. 